This past week, a modern hero of the faith went to be with the Lord, one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century. His name was J.I. Packer. He was five days, four or five days shy, I believe, of his 94th or 95th birthday. I mean, let's be honest. Once you hit about 90, right? Okay. And the Lord blessed him immensely. He was from England and then moved to Vancouver for several years as a professor. And the reason why J.I. Packer, and many of you all may not know who J.I. Packer is, um, hopefully after this message you do, and you will take the time to read his breadth of work that he has provided to us by God's grace. Um, the genius behind J.I. Packer was not his intellect, though he was um, brilliant. Uh, the genius of J.I. Packer was not his enthusiastic or entertaining communicating style. Because he was not. He was very straight-laced. He did not have time for humor when teaching God's Word, though he was a very humorous individual. I've had the privilege of hearing several testimonies of J.I. Packer's life in this last week by folks like Mark Dever and John Piper and others talking about how much of an impact this man made in the church, specifically evangelicalism. The genius of J.I. Packer came from the fact that such a phenomenal uh, intellect in the field of theology, particularly systematic theology, was able to convey and communicate his message in such a simple format that it would leave individuals in the pews longing to grow in Christ, leave them in awe and wonder, not of J.I. Packer, though amazing he was by God's grace, but rather awe and wonder of the God in which he served. His most famous work is this, Knowing God. If you've not read it, let me commend it to you. If I could make it mandatory, I would. Because in it, in simple language, it reveals the magnificence and the wonder of the glory of God by revealing the beauty and the wonder of God's Word. By unpacking it in a way that few have been able to do before. Now, why do I bring that up? I bring this up this morning because this morning is the beginning of a two-part sermon series out of Hebrews, and it's entitled The Mature Christian. As in the quote that I read from Charles Spurgeon, in which Packer uses to begin his text, Knowing God, 
Charles Spurgeon longed that people would stop playing in the shallow end of their theology, but dive deeply into the depths of the ocean that is God. And J.I. Packer longed for the same thing. Would you stand with me this morning as we read from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. And what is getting ready to be read is an introduction to one of the more difficult and controversial passages in all of Hebrews. In fact, all of Scripture. It's a difficult uh, subject to understand. And so we're going to break this up into two sections so that we can wrap our minds fully around it because this does truly bear eternal weight. The author of Hebrews writes, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, please be with us as we study Your Word, as we dive deeply into the depths of Your Word, Father, that we might draw from it encouragement and conviction, joy and teaching and edification, and might grow more faithful and holy as we yearn and desire to follow Christ. Father, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Many of you all know that I enjoy traveling with my family, and we have been blessed in our lives to be able to travel to many different places. Some of it had to do with work, some of it was vacation, some of it was ministry, and we've been uh, many, many places. We like to experience what God has unfolded before us. Um, and that got me thinking about this past, these past few months when we decided to take a trip out west when things had kind of been unleashed for us to be able to go. And we decided to go out to Arizona and Nevada, not to gamble, but to see the, the beauty. It's, it's amazing how many people go to Las Vegas and the entire time they're stuck throwing their money away when... 20 minutes outside the city, there's some of the most beautiful landscapes in all of the country. But before that, we were planning on going to Alaska because what used to be cost prohibitive was not anymore. And then we discovered why it was not. And it's because when you travel to Alaska during this whole, this whole ordeal, you are forced to 
quarantined for two weeks in a hotel. Now, I'm sure the hotels in Alaska are nice, but I'm not spending thousands of dollars to go to see a hotel in Alaska. And that got me thinking this morning, actually yesterday as I was finalizing this message, about what it means to be a mature Christian and how sadly many individuals um, miss out on the depths of God because they are so inclined to swim in the shallow end of the pool. It makes me think of my son Jackson, who over the course of these last few weeks, as my sister and brother-in-law have moved back to Kentucky, they have, he and his cousins have been swimming much more. And my sister especially has been spending a lot of time with my son, uh, encouraging him to get in the pool and As he was in the pool, he was seeing all of his cousins swimming in the deep end while he was stuck in the shallow end. He said, that's not fun. And so there goes Jackson jumping off the diving board into eight foot of water. And now you can just see the joy and the excitement of him playing in the deep end. How many Christians miss the joy of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit because they refuse To swim in the deep end. It makes me think of the idea of traveling to see Mount Everest. A dream of mine, if you want to call it a bucket list, you can. But one of my dreams is that before I'm unable to, I want to travel to Nepal and hike to base camp of Mount Everest. Now, I don't think I want to climb it, but I just want to be there in base camp and to be able to see Mount Everest and maybe even climb to Camp 1. And uh, if any of you all know about Mount Everest, you know just getting to base camp is an ordeal. And it's not for the faint of heart, but it's a desire of, desire of mine. And as I was thinking about being a mature Christian, I was thinking that an immature Christian, an immature Christian is like traveling just outside in Nepal to see Mount Everest. But instead of seeing Mount Everest and going to Mount Everest, you decide to stay in the hotel and you look at pictures of Mount Everest, or you watch National Geographic, Mount Everest is right there, but you choose to stay in here because it's not worth the effort. It's right there. It's right here. What is maturity? When you look up the definition of maturity, our dictionaries will define it as the state of being fully developed or fully grown. Now, many of us, when we think about that definition, we're like, we know many adults who must not be fully grown yet. They are not quite fully developed if that's the definition of maturity. Now, we know that that may be the definition in, a, in the dictionary, but in our society, when we refer to a mature individual, we are referring to someone who has put their childish ways behind them. They are, no longer, they are no longer focusing and dwelling on things of, of children that children do. But instead, you know, they pay their bills. They are responsible both professionally and personally. They contribute to society and their behavior is distinguishable from that of children and adolescents. And many adults suffer in adulthood because they have not taken seriously what it means to be a mature adult. 
They've not grown up. And it's not because they can't. It's because they don't want to. Because they think that the joy will be left behind them. Folks, I'm going to tell you, I enjoyed my teenage years. I enjoyed my 20s. Folks, I'm loving my 40s. I don't want to go back. I wouldn't mind it if my knees didn't hurt as bad. But I don't want to go back. We hope that maturity comes with age, and often it does. And sometimes we say that a person is, be, is mature beyond their years, meaning that their behavior defies their youth. Mature individuals want to grow, not merely physically, but emotionally, socially, and intellectually, and they are willing to work for it. Immature individuals are either apathetic to growth or they want it to be given to them. Now, being a mature adult does not mean that you can't have humor, that you can't find the fun in life, that you can't sometimes engage in things that to some might seem immature. Which leads me to a quote by C.S. Lewis, and I love this passage. He writes here, When I was 10, I read fairy tales and in secret and would be ashamed if I had been found out doing so. Now that I am 50, I read them openly. When I became a man, I put away childish things, including the fear of childishness and the desire to be very grown up. C.S. Lewis was not advocating immaturity. What he was saying is, is that you can be mature and still have a childlike spirit. In fact, doesn't Jesus tell us to have the faith of a child? Spiritual maturity is equally important. It is the difference between somebody still struggling with the basic foundations of the Christian faith in Sunday school and the faithful steward who is actually teaching the Sunday school class. We hope that spiritual maturity would come with age and experience, but far too often we experience individuals in the church who after 20, 30, or 40 years of being in the church and exposed to biblical, gospel-centered teaching. They are surviving on milk, the milk of the faith, rather than feasting on steak. Milk is easy. Milk is easy. Steak takes effort. If anybody has ever tried to grill the perfect steak, you know exactly what I mean. Milk just happens. Steak takes desire. And so speaking of healthy Christians, or what we might call Christian or mature Christians, J.I. Packer writes this, the healthy Christian is not necessarily the extrovert Christian, but the Christian who has a sense of God's presence stamped deep on his soul, who trembles at God's word, who lets it dwell in him richly by constant meditation upon it, and who tests and reforms his life daily in response to it. Does that not sound like a mature Christian? It's not necessarily the Christian who is the dancing bear in front of everyone. It's the individual who spends a dedicated amount of their lives pouring themselves into God's Word, into God Himself, into desiring following the Lord Jesus, in listening to the Holy Spirit as He leads and guides us according to God's Word. Yet far too many Christians 
are still playing in the shallow end while drinking milk. The mature Christian is not swimming in the shallow end. The mature Christian is diving deep into the deep recesses of the ocean that is God and His Word. And he or she does so for the sake of their soul and the glory of God. And so today and next week, we're going to look at the important implications of what it means to be a mature Christian and the weight, the eternal weight that that bears. So let's dive in right now, beginning in verse 11. And we're going to first look at individuals who lack the desire to be a mature Christian. John Piper wrote in his book, Desiring God, but to enjoy Him, meaning God, we must know Him. Seeing is savoring. If He remains a blurry, vague fog, we may be intrigued for a season, but we will not be stunned with joy as when the fog clears. And you find yourself on the brink of some vast precipice. The first time my wife and I were in Las Vegas for a conference, we were in the upper floors and like 20th some floor of the hotel. And we got there late at night, so we couldn't see anything but the city that night before. But in the morning when we woke up, we looked outside and it was still a little bit dark and still hazy. But the sun was starting to come up. Then all of a sudden, the fog or the haze dissipated. The sun rose, and as we looked outside, we saw the mountains in the distance. Now these are Nevada mountains, they're Las Vegas mountains, but we didn't know they were there. And we were in awe. We were just like, that's amazing. That is amazing. So many Christians are still fogged up. The mature Christian doesn't merely want to know the superficial elements of the faith. Rather, the mature Christian wants to bask in the fullness of God's glory, which is most evident in Christ and in His Word. And so in this first verse, the author writes this, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now, what is this that the author is talking about? Well, the author is referring to what he has just written. And what he has just written is a dissertation on the the concept of Christ being of the order of Melchizedek and a high priest. And what the author is saying, we have lots to say about Jesus being a high priest. And it is difficult to explain. If I could paraphrase it this way, I can't explain to you these difficult matters because you do not care to hear them. You do not care. You may be hearing the words coming out of my mouth, but you are not listening. You are not trying to understand. The author readily admits that these truths concerning Christ are not simple concepts, but they are made more difficult because of them not being able to, because they are not willing to listen to these truths and try to understand them. It's not, get this, it is not that they can't grasp it. It's that they are unwilling to grasp it. Pastors and teachers can tell when an individual desires to go deep but struggles compared to an individual who has no desire to go deep and is just entertaining the message. 
Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, teaching is near and dear to my heart, to our families' hearts. If you have a desire to go deep, but you're struggling with it, folks, I will work day and night to make sure that you understand those truths. But if you have no desire to go deep, then what are we spending our time on? Why are we wasting our time? They are dull of hearing. With maturity comes desire, and with desire comes maturity. They coexist as we follow Christ. And again, the problem is not that they can't learn these deep truths. The problem is that they don't care to know, so they are still stuck in their infancy. Now, folks, when we are saved, here's the application of verse 11. When we are saved and given new life, we are also given new desires. Old desires pass away. The desire for milk passes away and new desires are born. Evidence of new life is, among many things, a desire for knowing God, not just knowing about God. Knowing about God will earn you some money on jeopardy. Knowing God will let you see Jesus. As an infant, milk is all a child knows. That is their experience. They clamor for it, don't they? However, once a child first experiences solid food, strawberries, cookies, steaks, or pickles as my dad did to me, I still to this day will not eat a pickle. Anyway, that's another story. But once those kids experience strawberries and steak and solid food, they don't want milk anymore. What do they want? I want steak. That's what they want. They now must have these other more satisfying foods. Folks, the elementary things of the faith are important. They're vital. They're crucial to our salvation. But we cannot stay there. Once we know the, 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 the magnitude of who God is, We've got to know more. That's what it means to grow and to follow Christ. And not just that we know God more, but that we are able to apply that infinite knowledge to our lives so that we don't just know about God, but we are starting to look more like His Son. For believers, becoming dull of hearing or lacking a desire to grow in faith is often due to an intrusion of the world that we have allowed to occur. We must stay steadfast and resilient in maintaining our focus on the glory of God so that we might know Him and experience Him more fully. Note that I said for Christians. There are Christians who become dull of hearing because of what the world, they've allowed the world to intrude upon their lives, their spiritual life. The difference between them and an unbeliever is that they never desire to know the deep things of God. They may want to know all the facts about God. I had many professors in my undergrad who knew much more about Scripture, like the content of it, and, and all the philosophical and theological concepts. They knew all the knowledge. They did not know God. There's a massive difference. We must, as believers, have a desire to grow closer to Christ. And then this leads, this immaturity, this immaturity that the author is lamenting, it leads to missed opportunities. 
Let's hear what he says in verses 12 through 13. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. Folks, I love to teach. If you cannot tell by now that I love to teach, then you have not been paying attention. I love to teach. I love to preach. I love it so much. Now, folks, I could be speaking personally to hundreds of people, a class of 30, or one-on-one. It's all the same to me. The thrill of teaching, though, is not the captive audience or this sort of like authoritarian experience. You know, I'm here, you're there. That's, I promise you, that is not it. That is not it. Here is why I get such a thrill out of teaching. And some of you will understand this. The thrill of teaching is twofold for me. First of all, it is the opportunity for me to learn. I love learning. I love it. I love turning on the, uh, uh, I don't know, the History Channel and you know, how things work and all that National Geographic. I love it. I love to learn. And then secondly, I love the joy that I get from conveying what I've learned. It's twofold. I love to learn, and then I love sharing what I've learned. And you know if you've ever taught anything that you learn more while preparing to teach than you'll ever be able to teach or convey to your students. And it's not a pride thing. It's just there's so much information out there, and I want to know it. If, you've, if you are excited about something you've learned, often you want to share it. Now, folks, I was not a savant in school, but I loved school. My love for school even grew as I got older. And I still miss my time in graduate school and I almost want to go back. And in fact, this past week, I've started opening up my old Greek books so that I could relearn Greek just so that I can understand the biblical languages more. It's nerdy, I know, and I love it, and I'm okay with it. Jody and Jerry got me a mug that just says I'm a nerd on it, and I drink out of it proudly. It's prominently placed on my desk so that everybody who walks into my office at work knows where I stand. I am a nerd. Now, why am I even mentioning this? It's this. There are so many individuals in our churches maybe even in here, who are so, that are still stuck on the basic elementary principles of God and His Word. But by this time, if they had really been desiring to know God and truth, they wouldn't still be learning and understanding these principles. They would be teaching it. They would be teaching God's Word. Maybe not to a class. Maybe not to a stage. But maybe one-on-one. Maybe to their children. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. The primary theological educator of your children is not the church. It is the parent. The church's role in spiritual And theological education for your children is to come alongside you as a parent or grandparent and support you as you are training them those fundamental principles about Christ. 
Now, can we supplement? Yes, we're having children's church. It's a glorious thing. But they cannot learn in 40 minutes what you can teach them throughout the entire week. Whether you are called, as in Ephesians 4, to be a teacher or an evangelist, is, doesn't matter. What matters is, is that you are learning the principles of these, these principles of God and knowing God to the depth so that you can then convey it and share those truths with others. In this passage, the author laments that his audience is so immature in the faith that when they should be teaching, they are still having to be coddled. Let me be really clear. I do not mind coddling individuals who are new in the faith, who are still young. I don't mind going back and reviewing those elementary principles. We need them. But it drives me nuts to coddle individuals who really don't have a desire. They're just checking off a box. I want to I minister and teach and lead people who have an earnest desire to know God. The author says that his audience should be teaching the oracles of God, but they cannot because they are unskilled in the word of righteousness. His hearers cannot teach what they do not know. And likewise, we do not want people teaching our children or our adults if they don't know truth. How many Sunday schools across the world are being led by individuals who really do not desire to know God any deeper? They just desire an audience. That's a problem. And that's why we guard the church. Instead of eating solid food, they're still dining on milk. Now, let me be clear from an application standpoint before we finish up here. Milk is absolutely crucial, is it not? It's especially crucial for children, but even for adults. Milk affords us vitamin D and calcium. You knew I had to get some nutrition in there, right? It does. But adults cannot thrive on milk. We cannot thrive on milk. Likewise, the elementary principles of the faith, like the basic gospel, are not only important, they are crucial and essential to our salvation. And we need to return to them regularly. But at some point, we must deepen our knowledge and love for the things of God. We must go deeper. Again, J.I. Packer writes, What makes life worthwhile? is having a big enough objective, something which catches our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance. And this the Christian has in a way that no other person has. For what higher, more exalted, and more compelling goal can there be than to know God? There's nothing more compelling. I long one day to be at the foot of Mount Everest to experience that. But there is no comparing our God to Mount Everest. Mount Everest is tiny compared to the God of the universe. If I could use a different metaphor, let us stop spending all of our time in the shallow end when there is an ocean to explore. Which leads me to my final point. With growth comes discernment. And I might even say this. 
the practice of discernment leads to growth. The author concludes his thoughts on this subject by stating this, Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now for a moment, let us illustrate what maturity is and what it is not. Maturity is not necessarily a good education, intelligence or wit, knowing scripture and higher level theological knowledge, age, status, and or success. Oftentimes we build the foundation of our leadership in the church based upon worldly principles of maturity instead of spiritual maturity. There are some people within the church who may possess all of these things, but may still be surviving on milk in the shallow end. One defining aspect of Christian maturity is discernment between good and evil, between what is holy and what is sin, between what draws us to God and what distracts us from God. That's an important aspect of spiritual maturity. Some of the most spiritually mature people that I know did not have a high school degree, let alone a PhD in systematic theology. They could not tell you the five points of Calvinism or quote to you the Westminster Catechism. They couldn't do any of those things. But they know God. And He knows them. And they know His Word. They don't know Hebrew, but they see Jesus all over the pages of the Old Testament. They can't teach systematic theology, but they can teach you and I how to love Jesus and fight for holiness. And they may never stand before hundreds of men and women, but they are daily kneeling before Christ. There is a beauty. There is a beauty and a wonder and a holiness in the Christian growing in, fa in faithful maturity, in knowing the deep things of God. You can almost, it's almost palpable when you come into the presence of somebody who not only desires to know God, but has experienced the deep things of God. It's thick. It's palpable. And for a young Christian like myself, I still consider myself a young Christian. You want to be near them. As I was listening to all the testimonies of J.I. Packer, and they began talking about R.C. Sproul and about R.C. Ryle and other heroes of the faith, as I was listening to their commitment and dedication to growing in God and with God, it, may, it caused me to be sad, actually. And the sadness came from the fact that I never got to meet them and spend some time with them and possibly have them rub off on me some of their desire. Now I have their books and I have their lectures and they're wonderful, but there's something about being near and associated with someone who desires so, so greatly to know and be known by the, by the God of the universe and to follow Him faithfully. There's a joy there that is palpable, that is distinguishable between those who are immature 
and those who are deeply concerned with growing in Christ. As we close, the cross beckons us to come and lay down our lives, to die to self and sin, and to gain life through Christ. Part of living is growing. In fact, one of the definitions of biology and life is that we grow. And if we are not growing, we are dying. In order to grow to mature health, we must have more than what we needed and had as children. We need to feast on the abundance that is laid before us in God's Word. Because I personally do not want to simply survive. I personally do not want us as a church to simply survive. I want for myself and us as a congregation to thrive. I want us to thrive. Why would we settle for the shallow end when there's an ocean to explore? Why would we settle for milk when steak is available to us? And why would we settle for crumbs underneath a table when the king has invited us to feast at his table? My longing for us is that we would put aside childish ways, our lack of desire, our apathy to knowing God, and that we would chase after Him. We would swim deep, we would eat big, and we would love fully. And that takes sacrifice. That takes sacrifice. Sometimes it means when we're praying or reading Scripture and our kids are hungry. Mom, Dad, I'm hungry. You're going to have to wait. I'm busy. They're not going to starve, folks. Sometimes when our kids need to, and I'm going to pick on Lucas for a minute. He's been playing a lot of basketball in Versailles lately. And he comes or he texts you and says, I want to go play basketball. You're going to have to wait. i got more important things to do. Folks, there is nothing more important than knowing and being known by God. Nothing. There is nothing more important than being saved by Christ and then following Christ. And there is few things, if anything, that can be more beneficial to you growing in Christ than by being in the Word of Christ regularly. And if you tell me, I don't understand it, then give me a call. Give others a call, and we'll walk through it. Folks, read a book. Read a book. Read your Bible first and then pick up a book. There are so many wonderfully, by God's grace, written books that expound on the glories of God and His Son and the work of the Holy Spirit. And we don't crack open the pages because Netflix is too enticing. 
or our activities with our kids are too important. Sometimes we need to just pause and say, this time is for me to spend with my Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Dedicate your life to growing in maturity, and you will not regret it, both now or eternity, in eternity.